Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Come on, let's give Jesus some, some more praise in this house. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I wish... Um, Wish the worship team was just still up here, just still going and going. You know, sometimes my, my version of a perfect service is when God shows up so much, there's nothing left to say. <laughs> sometimes I'm in a service hoping that I don't have to get up and preach because God just arrests the room. And we were, we were on the verge of that this morning. Okay, maybe it was just me. I don't know. Like, I know it's early, but still, I like, I like uh, responsive. Uh, <laughs> we were on the verge of that. We were, we were touching the hem of his garment this morning. Oh, man, the presence of God is just so pronounced and so profound in the room. And I love Jesus. So there's nothing that I want more than that. I don't even want to hear myself talk. I just want Jesus. <laughs> but, I could, but I could tell you that there, is a, that there is a wonderful anointing that's present in the room right now that I just want us to take a moment to grab a hold of and, and, I, and I pray that he imparts some things this morning, but just to grab a hold of it right now. And, and Joel, I mentioned, you know, I've... I've had the privilege of seeing Jesus do a lot of amazing things. I've, I've seen hospitals cleared out, and I've seen the Holy Spirit blow through maximum security prisons, and miracles break out, and half, more than half the population get born again. I've seen Jesus do wonderful things. I've seen his wind blow through the room, and 15 deaf people get healed in five minutes. I've seen God do amazing things. But his presence is here right now. Like that presence is here right now. And uh, wow, <laughs> thank you, Father. I could see, I could see ways of uh, the the train of his robe just filling this temple. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I just want us to grab a hold of that. My, my favorite thing in life is the light bulb moment. When it, just, when it just, it comes on, it lights up inside of someone's heart and they just realize that it's, that it's not about a religion, it's about this living Jesus who's here right now, is so real, who is so good, who is so present, who, who, is, who is here for me. His eyes are on me. And when that happens, everything changes. Oh, thank you, G. <laughs> Whoa. I remember uh, years ago, um, a, a little girl, she was, she was 12. We were in Nebraska, and this girl came up um, the prayer line, and, and uh, she said, you know, can you pray for my, for my right ear? I'm deaf in my right ear. Me and my friend were standing next to each other, and, uh, <clears throat> and we, said, we said, sure, we could pray, and, 
And uh, the presence of God was in the room like it's here this morning. And uh, sometimes, not, not sometimes, all the time, when he shows up, it just gets easier. Because when he comes, he brings all of his nature, all of his goodness, all of the kingdom with him. He is the kingdom. And so, so she didn't even finish talking, and, and my friend just reaches up to put his hand uh, on her ear, and as he moves his hand that direction, her ear pops open. She goes, oh, oh, what just happened? I can hear out of my ear. I'm just giving you the opportunity to catch up with what I just said so that we could get excited about that. A 12-year-old girl, 100% deaf in her ear, her deaf ear pops open. Come on, thank you, Jesus. But we came back the next year, and, and she came up to me. She says, do you remember me? And I said, yes, of course I remember you. I said, how's your ear? And she says, oh, it's great. I can, I can hear perfectly. She said, um, uh, they've sent me to five specialists since you were here last year. And I said, but you, you can hear perfectly out of your ear? She said, yeah. I said, well, why have you had to go to five specialists? She said, because last year, you guys didn't let me finish explaining what was wrong. She said, the reason I was deaf in that ear is because I was born with no eardrum in that ear. And, and I, they set, keep sending me to more and more specialists because they can't figure out how I can hear perfectly out of that ear, yet I still have no eardrum. Come on. Listen, Jesus isn't just good, he's here. And I just feel like we're just supposed to pull on the hem of his garment. The women push through the crowd. This has got nothing to do with my message. Maybe I'll get to that, but the woman pushed to the crowd and she just grabbed a hold of, of his garment and dunamis power. He, he, Jesus, so there's a throng of people around him. <laughs> there was a throng of people around him, but only one person touched him with faith. <laughs> there's all these people touching him, right? They had out, outward desires. One lady had inward desire. And she touched him and something different happened. When she touched him, he felt dunamis power, the nature of heaven, move out of him and it caught his attention. And he stopped and he, he took notice and he said, go in peace, your faith has made you well. We know this story, but I just feel like there's opportunity just to grab his hem right now. The anointing's in the room. I just, I feel encouraged to tell you not to overthink it. <laughs> Come on, can we just not overthink it, but can you just grab a hold of the hem right now and just... Just pull on it with intentionality, Whoa, in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Oof. Yeah, I just feel um, carpal tunnel in the right wrist. I just feel the grace of God. As you're just pulling on the hem, I just feel the grace of God touching it right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, great increase. Father, could... Could there be the next Catherine Kuhlman in this room right now? Huh. 
Father, let it be. Could there be the next William Branham, John G. Lake, William Seymour, Mariah Woodworth Edder, Amy Simple McPherson, God, come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I've got good news for you. As you pull in, as you're pulling, just keep pulling. I got good news for you. Jesus never refers to us as experts, but he does call us children. <clears throat> and we can't get to God through our expert lens, through our expert mindset, through our expert hat. We get to him through a childlike heart. <clears throat> <clears throat> they, they, they brought, the, the children came to Jesus that he might bless them, but the disciples, not fully grasping the kingdom yet, tried to stop the children from getting to Jesus. But Jesus said, don't stop the children, let them come to me. <clears throat> Those who are childlike get to come. And it says of the children that when they came, he laid his hand on them and blessed them. Father, keep blessing, keep, keep coming, keep laying your hand upon us, Father. Whew. I, whoa, thank you, Father. I'm gonna keep going on, moving on, because I don't know what else to do, but I tell you that there's breakthrough in the room for whoever's willing to grab it. <clears throat> Come on, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Last weekend, I was in Alabama and, and uh, doing a, a session on the, the cultivating this pres the presence and this young lady who, who was brand new to supernatural environments, uh, she, the, the presence of God, just the love of God just crashed in on her. <laughs> and she was on the floor and I just felt led to, to get her up off the floor and I said, I said, just look around the room and wherever you feel the, the gentleness of your heart, because you have Holy Spirit in you, where you feel the gentleness of your heart resting on people, go and pray. And as she did, people just started falling out, crumpling on the floor. One lady in the back, she just goes out, like unconscious out, slain in the spirit. And this young lady is just weeping. And afterwards she said to me, she says, I've been praying for five years. That God, would, that God would touch me, that God would move through me. She came out of an environment where that didn't happen, but she had an internal hunger. <laughs> she was the woman pressing through the crowd. <laughs> no one, she came from an environment, no one got it, people weren't really hungry for it. I don't even think they believed in it, but God had put something inside of her that wasn't gonna settle. How many people know that hunger never goes unnoticed in the kingdom, never. Jesus, it's not in the capacity of Jesus to walk by hunger without stopping and taking notice. It's not, it, he doesn't have the capacity to do it, not even one time. Whew. Your hunger causes him to stop. Wow, that lady will never be the same again. Thank you, Jesus. All right, maybe we should start this morning. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Wow. <clears throat> Thank you. Anyone else? You have permission to interrupt me. If God touches you, my version of the perfect service, he shows up so much, there's nothing left to say. <laughs> so you have permission to interrupt me. My response to, to that young lady sharing that, I was about to say, it's easier than we think, but I felt the Holy Spirit arrest me, and he said, no, he's easier than we think. His, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. It's not by strength or by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Whoa, there's, it's still here. There's grace just to grab. Come on, just grab the hem right now. Things can pop in your life right at this very moment. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And Father, I thank you for um, yeah, ringing in the ears. Tonight is disappearing as well. Father, I thank you. There's uh, deep, deep in the nasal uh, passage cavity, it's like deviated septum, but it's pretty high up. A blockage, um, a distortion there is being um, uh, healed, straightened out right now in Jesus' name. Haha, <laughs> Father, I thank you for that. Father, in Jesus' name, in your goodness. <laughs> Whoa, Whew, you're, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> wow, yeah. Whoa, Father, I, I cancel vertigo right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I cancel vertigo. There's, there is, uh, I call that ringing in the ears, but there's, there's ringing and um, uh, internal ear issues that have been connected to vertigo, and we cancel that assignment in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and the arch, like the top of the back, um, right above the shoulder blades, but below the neck, kind of the top of that curve right there, that God's releasing that pinch in there. It's like something's been jabbing, stabbing you in there. He releases that right now in Jesus' name. Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. This was all supposed to happen at the end. But... <laughs> <laughs> you guys are, <laughs> you're too hungry to wait for the end, <laughs> which I like, he likes even more. This, whew, migraines disappearing, come on. A couple weeks ago, we had a lady who was in a car accident. Seven months earlier, she came into the service, someone brought her. Uh, seven months ago, she was in a car accident, she her, her ankle was uh, nearly severed off. They, they thought they were gonna have to amputate. They gave her the choice that we can amputate it or we could put a fake joint in there. We could fuse it together, put six pins in there, and you'll probably have pain and be hobbled for the rest of your life. She chose the pins. <laughs> Who wants to have a, an, an amputated leg? But she shows up at service a couple of weeks ago in the, in the presence of God. Someone say, in the presence. In the presence of God, God heals her ankle. Listen, fused, medically fused joint, all of a sudden can move perfectly. All the pain is gone and all, and all the pins are gone. I'm gonna go on, but I don't think you just heard what I said because that's not a golf clap worthy testimony. 
An ankle that was supposed, I'm serious, I'm starting over. You're gonna get a second chance. An ankle that was supposed to be amputated, medically fused together, six pins, all mobility is restored, pain gone, pins disappear in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Nasal passages healed. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. <laughs> Let you in on a secret. I think he's just getting started. <laughs> you have permission to interrupt me if he touches you this morning, and I mean that. <laughs> just shout it out. Come on, thank you. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Come on. What's, what's happened over here? The pinch back here. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> he might take me at my word and I might never preach this morning and I'm okay with that, come on. Yes, what's happening here? Yep, yep, I'm seeing it too. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Come on. All kinds. He's not limited in his resource. Come on, what's your name? What's your name? Nicole, stay standing just for a moment and wow, if I can get some a lady on your team, Joel, just go, just lay hands on. Nicole, I see the balm of Gilead. You started with, he's healing my soul, but I actually see the oil of heaven, the balm of Gilead pouring out from heaven all over you and he is healing your soul right now. I can see it. <laughs> So Father, we thank you for the healing oil from heaven that's pouring out um, over Nicole. And I see cactuses blooming into flowers. Wow, and the desert season is over. Wow, and there's streams that are flowing in the desert now over you, and God is getting ready to turn the desert into an oasis and into a paradise. And he's not just healing, but he's filling. And he's filling you to a place of overflowing because you're gonna become a fountain of life for those who feel like that they're in the desert season, that they're in the season of loss. Well, and he's giving you an anointing to break that because you pulled on the hem of his garment right now, like the lady with the issue of blood, and he's saying yes. <laughs> and amen to the hunger, the heart desire on the inside. And we bless you with that in Jesus' name. I don't know this young man right here who just came forward, but there is a miracle anointing available for you. Just, just keep pressing in for, there is a, and I, and I mean this specifically, there is a miracle anointing available, a miracle ministry available for you. Keep pressing in for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter one, and you can keep interrupting me. Listen, before we go on any, just stay, just stay there for a little bit. God's, God's doing something to you. <clears throat> before I go on, man, I just want to tell you that 
Dude, I love this house. <laughs> I love the presence of God that I feel here. And in fact, <laughs> my, I, love, I, love your, I love your pastors here. Joel and Lauren, you guys are amazing in the way you host the presence of God. <clears throat> And we, and we also have Tim and Elizabeth Darnell here from Hill Country. Listen, and I, and I mean this without fluff. My two favorite churches in the region are both pastors are in the room right now. And, uh, and, I, and I've told my wife this on more than one occasion. I'm like, if we weren't pastoring our own church, like these are churches that I would go to. So come on, you're in good hands here. I mean, whew, that just tells me God's doing something in San Marcos. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Colossians chapter one, are you there with me? If you're there, say, come on, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. Let's start in verse 24, Colossians one, verse 24. This is Paul speaking. I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now listen, here's what I want you to really plug in, verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we're at, the, we're at this fully alive conference talking about being fully alive in Christ. But to be, but to be fully alive, it has to start on the inside, so this morning, I want to talk about being fully alive on the inside, because what's alive on the inside is what will manifest on the outside. And this, this what, Paul, what Paul writes here, his statement here, that there is, that there is power, that there is a power surge hidden in the language here that sometimes I think that we, that we have the tendency to breeze over a little bit. We all know the verse. We've all heard it. It's one of those uh, bumper sticker verses. It's written on people's bathroom mirrors. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes, we know that. But I want us to look at the language. I want us to, to look at, at the desire of God in this equation and what's on his heart for us this generation right now. Verse 26, again, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now, someone say now, now, has been revealed to his saints. To them, God, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in who? Christ in you, Christ in us, Christ in those who will say yes, Christ in those who will lay down their life to pick up his, Christ in those who will grab a hold of his hem, Christ in those who come and say, God, here I am. 
have all of me. Is there anybody in the room who has that heart cry in you? God, here I am. Wow. God is getting ready to do something in this generation. And listen, preachers have been saying that for, for eons. Listen, God is doing something in this generation. God is doing something in this generation like never before. And, and I, I always, I'm always saying this, that you know that you have a genuine move of God at hand when it's happening through the children. Because children aren't going to fake it. <laughs> children, children don't fake it, but when God moves on them, when they're, when they're gripped by God, when they're prophesying, when they're healing the sick, when they're praying and cancer is disappearing, come on, when tumors are disappearing, you know you have a genuine move of God at hand. And let me tell you, God is waking up something in this generation like never before. In fact, many years ago, before I was married, before I had my, my own kids, God spoke something very clearly to me. And he said, this generation, our, our generation is gonna have to run as hard as we can after the things of God to simply understand the generation that's being born now. He said that to me, what, 15 years ago? And <laughs> Wow, that makes me wonder what they're gonna be walking in. Oh, man. Oh, I could go on to on stories and stories and stories of God moving powerfully through the children. Some of the, some of the best stories. I just, <clears throat> I just <clears throat> shared this story the other day. One of my favorite stories from, the, stories from back in the healing rooms, <clears throat> there was a man who was dying of cancer, not a believer. He came up. <clears throat> He was an ex-alcoholic, ex-Green Beret, ex-biker gang member. He had stage four esophageal cancer, not a believer, but his son was. His son heard about Bethel, heard about the healing rooms and said, Dad, you're dying. What do you got to lose? Come to this place. Let him pray for you. See what happens. And his dad said, no way. I've seen that stuff on TV. It's weird. And they go back and forth, and finally he convinces them. He said, listen, Dad, if you want to see your grandkids again before you pass on, we're going to be at the healing rooms and ready. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good strategy. <laughs> I said, fine, I will come. I will come and I'll let them pray, but I don't want anyone laying hands on me. And so they show up. I'm making the story short. They show up. The son says, tells the, the prayer team, listen, I got my father here. He Barely came, is willing to receive prayer, but doesn't want anyone touching him. And they said, all right, who's your dad? And they look over, six foot four. He, before he got sick with cancer, 250 pounds, ex-Green Bray, biker gang member, alcoholic, like handlebar mustache, shaved head, mean looking dude. And they're like, don't touch him? No problem. <laughs> so there's three people praying around. His name was Rick. Three people praying around Rick. And, uh, and the, but they're not touching him. They got their hand a foot away, right? They're, they're doing this, but not touching him. They're like, they don't want to break that rule. And so Rick finally, he's like looking around, checking it out. He finally gets comfortable. He closes his eyes. He's standing there. He's got his eyes closed. Well, the problem is that we have children in the healing rooms that are full-fledged prayer servants. 
because there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. And there's a 12-year-old boy named Isaiah who didn't get the message. And so Isaiah is floating around the healing rooms, releasing Holy Spirit here and God there, and he's just whacking people. So he's being led by Holy Spirit. And, you know, so Rick's over here, and he's got his group of three people, and they're praying, and, and Isaiah just floats right through the middle of them, right through the group, and just woo, puts his hand right on Rick's chest and keeps going, and Rick goes, mm, <laughs> falls like a tree trunk. Rick is unconscious for 45 minutes. They, when he's out, they put a little purple prayer shawl over him, <laughs> stick a pillow under his head. <laughs> After 45 minutes, listen, Rick, Rick is out for 45 minutes. In that time, Jesus appears to him and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Rick, will you follow me? And Rick says, yes. And Jesus reaches out his hand, and Rick puts his hand in Jesus' hand, and, and Jesus pulls Rick into a new life. Pulls him into his healing. Rick gets up off the floor. So the story goes, Rick wakes up on the floor, and he's mad. At first, he goes, who touched me? And they point to the 12-year-old, Isaiah, and they, he didn't. He's like, oh, because you can only get so mad at a 12-year-old, right? And then, he, then he like, he's coming to, he looks around, and he's like, realizes he's got a pillow under his head. And this, <laughs> this is what he says. This honestly happened. He goes, wow, what are the odds I would have landed on this pillow? <laughs> Rick gets up completely healed. <clears throat> completely healed. Yeah. It's such... It's such a long story. I'm on the biggest rabbit trail ever. Jesus, help me. <clears throat> he gets up completely healed. He goes back. I mentioned he was ex-special forces. He'd been treated at the VA hospital. They do new tests over and over again. They're like, not only do you not have any cancer in your body, we can't tell that you ever had cancer. And they, they, they fly specialists in from all over the country to study his case because uh, he was, he, they, before he came to the healing rooms, they told him he had five weeks left to live. Wow. So he gets so tired telling his testimony, his story over and over again. This literally happened. He makes his own trifold brochure. He puts, he puts the story, the testimony in there and on the back of the brochure, it has a map how to get from Fresno, California to Reading to the healing rooms. Everybody saw the transformation in Rick, right? <clears throat> he was 250 before he got sick. He was down to 180 pounds, six foot four. He was death warmed over. He comes back full of life, full of health, full of vitality. His, his weight comes back. Everyone who looks at him goes, Rick, what happened to you? And he tells them, Jesus touched me up in this place. Redding, California, and every sick person he knew was, there had the same response. If Jesus could do that for you, maybe he could do that for me. And so for the next six months, every other weekend, Rick brought a different carload of people from Fresno, 
six hours to Reading would unload a carload of sick people and they would all get healed. His neighbor in the same apartment complex as him who was also terminal uh, got completely healed. He had, he had to carry, he made a bed for her on the back seat of his car, carried her from an apartment, put her in the back seat, <clears throat> puts a wheelchair in the trunk, drives up. She gets, gets so healed that she does 29 laps around the healing room, pushing her own wheelchair. Listen. Listen, that's really healed. Anyway. Fast forward 10 years, right? Remember Rick, Isaiah? Fast forward 10 years, Rick now helps oversee the children's ministry in the healing rooms. <clears throat> my, one, my, probably my favorite story. So a couple years ago, so Rick's now working with the children. He's praying with an eight-year-old girl in the healing rooms. An older couple comes in. They got several things on their list that they want prayer for. The little girl gets a word of knowledge for one of the lady having a leg shorter than the other, which was not on the sheet, and she's eight. Gets a word of knowledge and goes, do you have one leg shorter than the other? The lady said, yes, I do. And she says, well, can we pray for that? And the lady's like, well, I have a short leg because... I had a tumor behind my knee several years ago. They had to surgically remove it, but they had to remove so much of my knee that in order for me to stand on that leg, they had to put two metal rods down my leg, and my leg doesn't bend, and it's now shorter than the other one. And, and the little girl's, well, great, can we pray for that? And she's like, well, sweetie, that, God can't do that. She wanted prayer for whatever, her shoulder, her headache, I don't, I don't remember. And this eight-year-old girl looks the lady in the eyes and said, who are we to tell God what he can and cannot do? How many people think that's a good answer? (laughs) How many people think that would be our answer? (laughs) Maybe there's room for us, (laughs) me included, to come more childlike to Jesus. And... At that response, I mean, what do you say to that response? She's like, okay, you can pray. And they sit down, legs shorter, eight-year-old girl prays. Rick's right there, but the eight-year-old girl prays. The leg shoots out to be even with the other one. Out of response, the older lady, she bends both knees and stands up and puts her hands up and prays and then realizes she just bent her knee with two metal rods that hasn't been able to bend in years with no pain completely restored in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask you, what's alive on the inside? What's alive on the inside? Who is alive inside of you? Because Jesus is here right now. He's a good God. When he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many people know that when Jesus says, come, it's not a, it's not a gag? <laughs> How many people know it's not a joke? <laughs> How many people know that when Jesus says, come, it's an invitation? It's an invitation to encounter him. 
How many of you know that in Psalms 100, when it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise? Again, another bumper sticker verse, right? We love that verse, enter his gates with thanksgiving. But how many people know the point isn't the gates or the courts? The point is that once we get through the gates and into the courts, there's someone there waiting for us. The point is that the invitation has been given to encounter Jesus, the living God. Are we accepting the invitation? Because we want, we want God to show up on the outside and we want, we want to see breakthrough and we want to see miracles and we want our family members touched and, and our extended family members to know him. And we want all these things to happen out here. But guess what? We're not going to see those things through outward effort. Those things aren't even outward realities. They're inward realities. Inward realities that manifest as outward realities. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Turn to Hebrews 11. The, the hall of faith, Hebrews 11. We're gonna, we're gonna camp on five and six, but just because it's so good, Hebrews 11, one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many people know that it can't be evident, it, it can't be something we're never gonna see? Because if we're never gonna see it, then it can't be evidence. <clears throat> Now, faith is the substance. Someone say substance. substance. Or presence. Tangible, detectable reality. Faith is the substance or the evidence of what we're about to see. That was a good word right there. <clears throat> For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So again, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Jump down to verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. It was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, I love this, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That's what I want on my gravestone right there. <laughs> that's, listen, that's the greatest testimony in the whole world. Listen, I don't care. I do care. I care about people getting out of wheelchairs. I care about, about hospitals being cleared. I care about marriages being restored. I care about uh, depression fleeing. I care about all those things because they are lives that are changed. <laughs> but the greatest testimony I can imagine is that he lived a life where he pleased God. Because we think all these other things are a result of my external effort. 
that if I'm going to see people get out of wheelchairs, that I have to do something. I have to work harder. I have to try more. I have to read more. I have to study longer. I have to fast longer. I have to do something external so that I can see this external reality. But this tells us that the things that are made are made by what's invisible. That there is a superior realm. Now, faith is the substance or the presence. Someone say the presence. The presence of a superior reality. How many people know that heaven is superior reality to this world? And when we give ourselves to this superior reality, that superior reality begins to, to transform this reality to look like his reality. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when we taste of his goodness, oh God, I can, I can taste in your atmosphere, carpal tunnel, leaving right wrists. Oh, thank you, Father. And that happens on the inside, but what manifests outside? Come on. There's opportunity to taste and see all weekend long that the Lord is good. But here it is. <clears throat> Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One more time. <clears throat> Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe. Someone say believe. believe. Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The problem is that we interpret that as an external reality. Okay, God, I want to please you. What do I have to do? Where hmm. what if the question isn't what do you have to do, but it's God, where do you want me to be? Because when I, when I get in your presence, when I begin to taste and see, when I begin to listen, when I begin to lose hold of my list of needs and wants, I begin to pick up what he's already made available in the spirit. I trade my list of needs for adoption, sonship, Daddy, just be with me. Here I am. Let's just be together. What needs? None? I don't know. What's the need? I need to be with you. And I need you to be with me. That is the need. Let's be together. God, I want to feel you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want to taste and see how good you are. I want to be filled by your goodness. And all of a sudden, this, this well inside starts to percolate. It starts to stir up life. Now I'm starting to be fully alive on the inside. <laughs> Whoa. And out of that begins to flow, things begin to manifest on the outside that I now am not even trying to see happen out of my effort. <clears throat> wow, anyone notice how hard I prayed for that lady with the carpal tunnel? <laughs> I think I could point out which one she is. I'm not even sure, right? Like, <clears throat> but there's an overflow. <laughs> 
My, my job is to dip deep into the well of his goodness and watch him overflow from that place in Jesus' name. John 5. <clears throat> I rode that rabbit so long at the beginning, I'm going fast now, but are you with me? <clears throat> John chapter 5. Thank you, Father. Man, I really wish I was one of those preachers that could sing. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I feel it on the inside, but when it comes out on the outside, it doesn't manifest like heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, John chapter 5, the story of the pool of Bethesda. And... and, and in verse 2, Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which was called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred and stirred up the water. Someone say, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. <clears throat> Now a certain man was there who had been infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. <clears throat> now I know I read that really quick. We all get the picture. There's this pool, right? Now what we're reading about here is a collision of the New Testament, the New Covenant reality of Jesus with the Old Covenant <clears throat> type and shadow. Listen, that pool had been there for a long time. And the angel had been stirring the water for a long time before Jesus came. Understand? Old Testament, type and shadow. It is, it's speaking, those things are speaking of what's to come. Or more, or more aptly, who's to come. And so the angel would go and, and he would stir the water, and whoever got in first when the water was stirred got, got made well, and this man could never get in first, so he'd been there all these years. And Jesus now, the, the new covenant, <laughs> the new example, the new model, right? Jesus shows up on the scene and says, do you want to be well? The same question. It's why people came to the pool, but it's the same question with a new solution. And it, and he says, do you want to be made well? And the man says, yes. And he begins to describe the old, the old covenant shortcoming. I can't get there first. And Jesus simply speaks to him and says, take up your, your mat and walk. And instantly he's made well. Do you know what's amazing is that Jesus doesn't step into the picture and say, listen, I'm Jesus. I will help you down to the pool first. He doesn't say, everybody wait, I'm Jesus, it's this man's turn, and he walks him down, to the, puts him in the water first. No, do you know why? <clears throat> because the pool was a type and shadow of what stirred up the water being stirred. What is the water represent all throughout the word? It represents the word and the spirit. The word and the spirit, and when they're stirred up, miracles happen. 
But Jesus didn't have to go to the water because he was, because he was the word and he was already stirred. Jesus said, that's the old type and shadow. This is what it looks like to actually be living it. <laughs> Jesus brought his pool. <laughs> and his pool isn't limited. <laughs> his pool doesn't say the first one in. His pool says everyone who comes. <laughs> All who came to him were made well. But guess where the stirring happens? On the inside. I know I'm going, going fast. <clears throat> that rabbit tasted good, though. <laughs> two, ver two chapters over, and we're going to land here. If I can get the team to make their way back, back up in John. <laughs> well, somebody's water is starting to stir. <laughs> uh, John chapter 7. <clears throat> Verse 37 and 38. John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and whispered out. Is that what it says? Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures had said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, Jesus didn't stand up. Jesus didn't gather his disciples. He didn't just speak it to the three. He had the three. He didn't just speak it to the three. Like, hey, guys, listen, don't tell anyone else, but here's a secret for you. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Now, he didn't tell just the three. He didn't tell just the 12. He didn't tell the 25 who were closest. He stood up, got on the high places, and listen! All who are thirsty, come to me and drink. And listen, Jesus he says, come to me, all who are thirsty. He says, come to me, all who are weary. He says, come to me, all who are sick. He says, come to me, all who are lost. He says, come to me, all who are broken. But when he says, come, he's not, listen, he's not emailing you directions that you gotta put in Google Maps and you're like, oh, this is like, three days journey away. No, when he says come, he's handing you an invitation. And when you grab the other side, he doesn't let go. Religion tries to tell us that when he says come, it's gonna take forever to get there. Religion says when Jesus says come, you gotta put it in the GPS and you gotta work it for years. You gotta search the scriptures. You gotta figure it out and maybe you'll get the directions right, but probably you won't. But maybe eventually if you listen to enough teachers, you'll find your way there. In 40 years, you'll probably arrive, hopefully, if you've done a good enough job. But Jesus is like, come. And when we're like, come where? Jesus is like, are you kidding? 
come where? Like, Jesus, do I turn left? Do I turn right? He's like, are you kidding? Just grab a hold. (sighs) All who are thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your body will flow rivers of living water. Will flow rivers of living water. We have to believe that he is, meaning that he is God. Hebrews 11, that we have to believe. Again, someone say believe. believe. We have to believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many people know both of those things are actual internal realities? I can tell you stories of God moving amazingly, but the testimony, that, like, listen, my testimony that he pleased God, it looked like this. I know we're going over a dad. It's coming out of my honorarium. It's all right. Just, just kidding. <clears throat> listen, <clears throat> these stories that I can tell you all the times before that of pulling on his hem and taking risk and going out and declaring God, listen, all the times I prayed for someone and nothing happened. Go out in the streets and like, like, like things like, God, I'm not coming home today until I've prayed for 10 people. I mean, I'm just crazy like that. But those who lay down their life will find it. And I would go and listen, there'd be lots of times where nobody, look, apparently, who knows what happened later. I'd go and I'd pray for people. I'd step out in faith. I'd try a word of knowledge. I would do whatever. And they would let me pray. And I'd pray. And their pain goes from a 10 to a 10. Over and over, like three, four, five, ten 10 times. Like, oh, God. But I would go home and I, and I, would, I would close the door and pull the blinds and I would start to worship. And I would say, Jesus, I thank you that you and I are winning. Because it's not about external results, it's about internal reality. Jesus, I believe who you are, and I believe that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And, and, and we start to have a Jesus party together, and my pool is filling up. Oh, you're so good. And out of that place, he who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And what didn't happen over here in my effort, next thing I know, I bump into someone at line at Starbucks and, oh, excuse me. They're like, hey, what just happened? My shoulder just got healed. <laughs> what, what didn't happen out of effort starts to happen out of overflow. I got so much more that I had intended to say. <laughs> but he, who tries to hold on to their life, will lose it. He who lets go, lays down their life, will find it, or God will fill it. Listen, if you want God to fill you from the inside, I just want you to stand to your feet this morning. Whoa, listen. There are great leaders in this room who are taking you in the direction of being fully alive in Christ. But it's got to be a response of your heart 
and says, here I am, God, have all of me. It's not just, (laughs) you have to build a pool of pleasing God and out of that overflow. And I wanna pray for a couple, I wanna pray for some people specifically, everybody who wants more, I'm gonna pray. But I feel like there's some people that that reality of, I need, I need to learn how to, to fill up the well, the pool on the inside. That needs to be my new purpose, my new focus, my new journey. I want, I want the, the image of the headstone that says he had this testimony, she had this testimony that she pleased God. But it's not the external, it's the internal. If that's you, I specifically want to pray for you. I'm gonna invite you to come down to the front in just a moment. I'm gonna pray for everyone. First, Father, I thank you. Actually, you know what, if that's you, just start coming now. If you need need something to shift, something to break, it doesn't need to be everyone in the room. I'm gonna pray for everyone. But if that's you, you're like, I need something to shift. I need to be fully alive on the inside. I've been trying it on the outside. It's not yet working. I need to be fully alive on the inside. Tim and Travis and the, the team. There's a prayer team from the house here. I'm gonna pray and then we're just gonna take some time and we're just gonna flow. I've got a river <laughs> that, is, that is starting to flow, that is starting to flow, that is starting to flow. And later in John, in chapter 20, he breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, there's a river that's flowing that I'm gonna come and I'm gonna touch you. I'm gonna touch your river with my river and it's gonna gush into greater streams through the grace of impartation, but it's your job then to steward it, (laughs) to go into your room and close the door and the blinds and just begin to worship and celebrate. So Father, I thank you for every hungry heart, everyone who wants more. One more time, just reach up and grab his hem and just pull it down, just pull the more, pull the pleasure of the Father. Not the works, not the effort. Pull the pleasure of the Father down over you right now in Jesus' name. I don't know if your team has some guys that could catch, but that would be awesome. Thank you, Father. 